Welcome to the Better Eye Health Podcast with Damon P. Miller II, MD. This particular podcast is an excerpt from the weekly conference calls. Dr. Miller focuses on different topics connected to the Better Eye Health program. The topic of this session is Autoimmunity and Your Eye Disease, Part 2. Here is Dr. Miller. Today, this is the second of three parts in the discussion of autoimmune issues and eye disease. Um, just real quickly as a wrap-up, last year, I just I mean last week, I just discussed an overview of autoimmune disease. And it, the, the, if you want to go back and listen to that, that overview is very much from Western medicine. It's not an alternative view. Um, although it is not a view that a lot of doctors use when they think about or deal with autoimmune disease. Uh, but the data to back up what I was talking about last week all comes out of UCLA and some very prestigious institutions who are looking at um, how our body and reacting to all of the insults that are thrown at it, infections, toxins, foods that are not good for us, um, how that can all evolve into autoimmune disease where our body is actually making antibodies that are destructive against our own tissues. So today in the second part, um, I'm going to talk about the relationship between the health of your gut and um, the development of autoimmune disease. But before I do that, I just want to say uh, a quick thing about how these, all these things that seem so distant from the eye can affect the eye. I mentioned last week that there is a a way that the body reacts, overreacts even, and it's so challenged with so many things that it has to react to that that becomes eventually an autoimmune problem. But why in some people that would end up with uh, the autoimmune problem affecting their eyes, in other people it would be their gut or their thyroid or their joints or their skin or their lungs, um, that's something that no one in alternative or I mean in integrative medicine or in Western allopathic medicine, no one understands that exactly. But the underlying mechanisms for all of those things are uh, very common. Um, but what I've been seeing a lot is that uh, people who have these degenerative diseases, it's the, their problem is now more complicated because laying on top of that is a second problem that's bothering their eyes, not for everyone, but for a lot of people. And that problem is an immune problem that's affecting the eyes. And, and it's not to say that that is the cause of macular degeneration or the cause of retinitis pigmentosa or the cause of Stargardt disease. They are not immune problems to begin with, but very, these immune problems are very common. And so it's, it's very common to see people who have more than one thing insulting their eyes and insulting the health of their eyes. The thing about the autoimmune diseases is there are some things that can be done to minimize that or back you out of it if you're already deeply into it. And so that's the purpose of these calls is eventually to get to the simple things that you can do that can be very powerful. Even though they're simple, they can be very powerful. So I said I wanted to talk about the gut 
Um, and you know, there's an increasing understanding of the, um, the importance of having a healthy population of bugs living in your gut. And there are a lot of things that stand in the way of that, a lot of things that come from the way foods are processed, the foods we eat, the foods we choose to eat, the use of antibiotics, antibiotic residues in foods that affect that population of things in our gut, stuff that's pollutants that are in water and air and um, just all kinds of things that um, can upset that balance. And, and that the gut, the population of things in the gut is really important overall to our health. Um, it, this may sound a little bizarre, but there are, uh, we walk around with about 10, 11, maybe more trillions of cells. That's trillions. Trillion is a big, big number. But of all those cells we walk around with, only about a tenth of those are human. Uh, the other nine-tenths are the bugs that live in our gut, on our skin, and everywhere else throughout our body. Some of those bugs are very, very tiny, and that's why they don't take up a lot of room. But between the viruses and the fungus and the bacteria and the atypical bacteria and the parasites, uh, there are a huge number of them, and they're not bad. If we had a sterile gut, we'd be dead. So we've come over centuries to evolve where we have a relationship with these things living in our body, and the gut is where the majority of them live, that they need us and we need them. Um, but we need, there are some that do the job well, and then there are others that are, uh, can cause imbalances, others that can cause problems. So there are essentially healthy bugs and unhealthy bugs. And the gut is important because the, you think about the, um, the function of the gut. One of the functions of the gut is to take the food that we eat and separate the pure from the impure, to extract what's necessary for our nutrition and to let the rest pass through and be eliminated. Um, the gut has some other functions, and these are, um, it, it seems hard to understand why this would come so late, but this, um, this next thing I'm going to say, the understanding of this is really only in the last 20 years, and that understanding is that there are a lot of ways that the body can put things into the gut. So it doesn't just take what it wants and leaves the rest. It actually can use that continuous flow of stuff passing through the gut from your mouth down to your anus, and it can put into the gut stuff that it wants to get rid of. So it's a way for the body to get rid of garbage. Um, and ideally, in an ideal world, the, there would be a strong barrier between what's in the gut and the rest of the body. One of the things that happens if the population of bugs in your gut gets out of balance is that that barrier breaks down and you develop what's uh, called in a kind of slang way leaky gut syndrome. That's not an official medical term, but it is very descriptive. That's exactly what's happening. So things that uh, should not be able to get into your bloodstream do get into your bloodstream because the barriers and the boundaries are uh, broken and things can leak out. This becomes a problem in some ways with uh, a poor balance of healthy bacteria because 
a lot of unhealthy bacteria, things that weeds essentially that get into your body and set up shop in your gut, they're not really well suited to live in your gut, but they are able to persist and survive there because they have survival tricks that they've inherited or developed where they produce toxins. Now those toxins, the purpose of them is to keep uh, antibodies, to keep white cells and to keep other bacteria at a distance so that they're not bothered and they can survive and persist in your gut. But those toxins are capable of making you a little sick. And if, you're, if the barriers in your gut have broken down, you can absorb some of those toxins. And so, you know, very often when you get a, a case of food poisoning, say, the thing that makes you sick, if you get food poisoning, you pick up some bad food or bug, you know, contaminated food or you get contaminated water, things like that, very often the thing that makes you feel so sick, it's not the bugs themselves, it's the toxins that those bugs make. And uh, one thing that's very common, uh, there's a common food uh, bacteria that causes food poisoning called Shigella. And Shigella is very, very typically, you would pick that up from uh, un poorly cooked chicken, say, or um, poorly cooked meat. And Shigella has a capability of once it gets into your gut, it can um, keep away all of the uh, things your body would do to try and get rid of it, and so it becomes kind of a permanent infection. And the toxins that Shigella makes are notorious for causing arthritis, joint problems. So it's not that Shigella is a major cause of arthritis, but if you've got food poisoning, fever, a lot of diarrhea, and swollen and painful joints, um, it's probably Shigella. Um, so I just use that as an example of uh, an extreme example of things that can happen at a very low level if your gut's not healthy, that where things going on in the gut can have an effect elsewhere in the body uh, at a great distance from the gut. But the other thing, if you have a leaky gut, so this, this is kind of the way things work, you have an unhealthy population of bugs and things living in your gut, that causes disruption of the barrier, so you get a leaky gut, and now you've got stuff getting into the bloodstream that was never meant to get into the bloodstream. And what does the body do with garbage and stuff that isn't supposed to be there? It develops antibodies against it. And so, just going back to the talk last week, the, the thing that is at the root of a lot of autoimmune disease is an immune system that's overtaxed, overstimulated, reacting to all kinds of stuff, and eventually it boils over and starts creating antibodies against your own tissues. Sometimes it's accidental. Those antibodies were originally created to attack something real, but it turns out this is kind of a lock and key phenomenon, that the key that's made to fit in the lock and unlock the, the bad bacteria or the toxin happens to also fit maybe certain cells in your thyroid, and now those antibodies start attacking the thyroid or, or other tissues. So that is a lot said about why you want your gut to be healthy. There's a lot of controversy right now about the use of probiotics, but overall, over 50 years of research, the research says pretty strongly that there's a value to taking probiotics. And that's why we include probiotics as part of the basic protocol. It's, a first, it's the simplest first thing we can do to try and push your gut towards being a bit healthier. 
the data that's convincing to me about probiotics is the clinical data, meaning that you take people with certain problems, certain issues with their gut, you put them on probiotics and those things get better. That's the kind of proof I'm talking about. The causes of the controversies about the use of probiotics come more from the pure science where they say, well, we put in a probiotic that contained um, certain bifidus bacteria and we don't find those in any great numbers in the stool, therefore the probiotic failed and it didn't do anything. Um, so that's a little bit nearsighted and a little bit of tunnel vision that the scientists have there because yes, you may not find the sort of data you'd want to see with finding the very bacteria that you'd put in in the probiotics, but the more convincing data is the outcomes data, which is that people can have a lot of different problems. They take probiotics or they do a double-blinded study where they give some people probiotics and other people a placebo, and the people taking the probiotics show remarkable clinical improvement. So there is good proof that they actually help you. Um, so I would not get caught up right now in some of the modern controversies that are floating around about whether you should take probiotics or not. I still see enough benefit to it that I'm still recommending them. It's certainly an inexpensive, safe, and um, potentially very useful thing to do. I'll just say one little note and aside about probiotics. We start people out, uh, we use the Gero product in the first month's worth of supplements we send you in the program. Um, after a year or 18 months or so, it's, it's a good idea maybe for a while to change to a different brand. And we have other brands um, that we can recommend if it's time for you to do that. So if you're calling in and ordering supplements and you think it's, you want a different probiotic, just let us know and we'll substitute something else in for the Gerodophilus. Um, the final thing I want to say about the gut, um, one of the issues that can be of concern in dealing with autoimmune disease is chronic infection. And I just want to say that for most people, the issue with infection that they have, it isn't that they have syphilis or that they have tuberculosis or chronic Lyme disease or hepatitis or chronic herpes. You know, there are, there are, there are other infections that can fit that bill, but having a gut that's gunky and out of whack um, counts as a chronic infection. You've got consequences from an improper mix of bugs in your body, and that's something that can be remedied. That's something that can be reversed. And the whole idea in approaching autoimmune disease is not to do everything perfectly, but to quiet down some of the things that are impacting your immune system and pulling you back from that threshold where things are so overstimulated that you're having symptoms. So I'm going to leave that. If you have questions about that, we can do those in the Q&A session. Tune in for more podcasts and other presentations. Go to www.bettereyehealth.com. There is hope for sight.